The next time you're driving around town and see a Toyota Sienna decked out with flame decals on the side, expect to find Dan Zevin behind the wheel. His new book, Dan Gets a Minivan, Life at the Intersection of Dude and Dad, explores life in the suburbs and all the great things it has to offer. A driveway, a garage, and oh yes, Costco. Okay, so this is a chapter called Big Nose on Campus. And it's it's about how I was invited to do the commencement address, surprisingly enough, at a Catholic college. And um, it just sent me into a tailspin of panic. And I was trying to find something inspirational to talk about. And I, I reflect back on all those years at NYU. So I thought I would read that. All I had to do was come up with an inspirational slash lighthearted message to share with the graduates of Cardinal Macaulay College by Sunday at 2 o'clock. It was either my third or fourth or possibly my millionth draft when it became clear that I had nothing inspirational slash lighthearted to share with the graduates of Cardinal Macaulay College by Sunday at 2 o'clock. They were young and idealistic, full of potential and promise. It was depressing, you know? I don't mean it was depressing that they were young or idealistic or full of potential or promise. I mean it was depressing that I wasn't. Every page of the alumni magazine mocked me with images of carefree youngsters who not only knew how to type a text message, but also knew how to do the hip handshake with the snapping and the clapping, who never had to schedule an organized date night with whoever they were hooking up with, who still participated in the practice of brunch. The world was their oyster, the little shits. Obviously, there was a fine line between inspirational slash lighthearted and spiteful slash malicious. So that afternoon, I spent some quiet time reflecting upon my commencement and the words of wisdom that were surely imparted to me. I went to the playroom and dug out a milk crate marked NYU, which contained the following memorabilia. Two empty bottles of Bartles and James wine cooler, fuzzy navel flavor, coated with multicolored candle wax drippings, three police cassettes, including Zenyatta Mandata, which I eagerly popped into my daughter's tough-stuffed toddler tape player, and one lucite frame containing a graduation photo of a guy I vaguely remembered as me, a young scholar with a Jufro stuffed into a commencement cap, his frame draped in a tent-like gown with no underpants. (laughs) it's true we had no underpants when we graduated from nyu the truth is out that was our radical gesture can you just talk a little bit about your time at nyu well i came to nyu it was 1982 so that was a very long time ago and i was coming from the suburbs of new jersey i grew up in short hills a town famous for a shopping mall and i couldn't wait to get out and I, i will always wanted to come to the city and I, it was like I said, it was early '80s, so there was this new wave scene going on here, and this you know post-punk scene, and everything just seemed so edgy. And and I arrived in my polo shirt with the polo player in the corner, and the collar up, and the <laughs> boat shoes, and the the whole. I had a gold chain around my neck. I mean, complete dork. And yet I was interested in in being here. And uh, I just thought, from honestly, from day one, everything changed. Suddenly, 
I realized, oh my, this is what I've been missing, you know. And I'd say within a week, I, I didn't have the gold chain anymore or the polo shirt. I wasn't, I was never, I didn't like turn into uh, Adam Ant, if you can remember that far back. But I, I just remember, oh, here I don't actually have to look like I just came out of the yacht club. Here it's okay to just, you know, put on a t-shirt and jeans, whatever it was. And uh, it was just, it was just a really great time to be here. At what point did you know that you wanted to write? You know, I knew that I couldn't add, subtract, multiply, or divide at a very early age. It was clear, uh, probably. When, when do they start teaching that stuff? Like in second grade? I couldn't do it. I couldn't do it then. I can't do it now. I, I'm the first owner of, of the calculator, Texas Instruments model. Um, so it was clear. The one thing I could do was I could do the book reports. <laughs> I did very well writing about kangaroos and igloos and stuff like that. And uh, and then I started writing. I'm trying to think, why did I start writing humor? And that also happened like when I was a kid, really. I realized, oh, I could write these funny, crazy stories for creative writing class in third, fourth grade. And I made the kids laugh. And that was just, I remember that was a great feeling. And then later, as a teenager, that's when Saturday Night Live first started, I think, I, I don't remember, I was an early teenager, and, uh, or maybe even a little younger, and the cast was like John Belushi and Gil Duran, or those old Dan Aykroyd, and um, I just thought that that was this life-changing thing, I, I just was glued to the set, and I just, just loved it, and so I think I just really responded to that kind of writing. Can you talk a little bit about where the idea came from for the book? So Dan Gets a Minivan is a, is a book that's about the transition from couplehood to familyhood. And I don't, I've noticed I didn't just say fatherhood, because it's not really only about fathers, even though I am a dad. Um, it's much more about becoming a parent. And I call it a coming of middle age tale, like a coming of age tale. So where the idea came from was guess who came of middle age and had kids. And I've been writing stories about myself, um, these comic essays, for a long time. But this one just seemed to really strike a chord with so many other people. You know, it's, it's all of my friends were going through the same thing. You know, we thought nothing would change when we had kids, and then everything changed, dramatically changed. And, oh, people were giving us all of these baby books that tell you how to deal with the colic and the crying and the emotional issues and sleep deprivation. Everything was, like, so depressing. And I just felt like if I ever wrote anything about this, I would just try to give some comic relief and that's really what I was trying to do. I, uh, you know, there's a lot of great books out there for the serious stuff. Dan Gets a Minivan is not one of them. <laughs> and uh, that's kind of how it, how it happened. I was just sort of taking notes as the whole thing went along. I started writing it when my first kid was probably six months old. And, you know, it was on and off for, I don't know, six years, mostly off because I was actually taking care of both of them. We had a daughter, too. Um, so it's hard, to, it's hard to combine writing with parenting. But I always say that, that being a parent gives every writer what they're really looking for, which is an excuse not to write. <laughs>
<laughs> so in that way, <laughs> we tend to procrastinate a little bit. Yeah. So tell us about your minivan. <laughs> My minivan, well, the, it all started when we were still living in Brooklyn, and I, and I, I don't know if, if any of your listeners are living in a place like Brooklyn where parking is at a premium. I mean, you leave your parking space, and you're lucky if you get another one in, in a week. I had the two babies and a dog and my wife, and then her parents would always come, and my mother came once a week. And we just needed a bigger car, so we started with what I call the entry-level minivan, which was a Mazda 5. It had a third row of seats. I leased it in Brooklyn because I thought, I'm not going to ever really drive a minivan. This is ridiculous. This is the goofiest thing. I'm just going to lease it, the first car I ever leased. And then I'll just give it back next year when the kids are grown up. <laughs> Cut to a year later I renewed the lease. Another year later I renewed the lease. And then I say this was the gateway drug to suburbia because finally I just said, screw it. I'm getting a real minivan. I'm buying it. I love it. And we're moving to the suburbs. And now I have a giant aircraft carrier size Toyota Sienna, which I decked out with, um, you know, those hot rod flames on, on Harleys. <laughs> so I put those on the minivan. And it's very cool. There's a disco ball on the rearview mirror. And I love it. It's like a, it's no different than driving a, a living room, you know? It's, it's so comfortable. I don't know why people don't think it's cool. It's the coolest car I've ever had. I recommend it. I know I see if your listeners could see your face, you don't look convinced. Oh, I'm convinced. I remember when my parents got a minivan. <laughs> I don't understand why it, why it gets such a bad rap. I don't know. I mean, I get a lot of a lot of guys tell me that it, they call it a mom van or something. Or they're like, oh, I'd never get a minivan. I can't believe you did that. We got an SUV. And I'm thinking... <laughs> Okay, an SUV is so much cooler. He didn't say a Porsche. He didn't say a convertible Beamer. It's an SUV. Okay, whatever. It's all, it's all relative. You have to move a large piece of furniture, then see who's it's pickup truck. Oh, it's great. I mean, it's the most comfortable space I have. Much more comfortable than anything inside the house. What what tips do you have for new suburbanites? Yeah, so moving from Brooklyn to the suburbs was something that I never really thought I would do. Like so, I think like so many people, city people, really. I mean, I went to NYU. I thought of myself as a city person. I just moved and wound up in Brooklyn, which is supposed to be this mecca for kind of urban families. But for us, it just got, all got so complicated. And so, like I said, we decided to move. What tips I have? Well, of course, you have to get yourself the right car, which we've already covered. I finally caved in recently, and I got myself a gas grill, which is another one of those those turning points in a <laughs> suburban guy's life. And this thing was life-changing. I mean, especially compared to the crappy hibachi things, you know, that everything tastes like lighter fluid. This is just, it's amazing. Um, and it comes with all this other stuff, which is kind of great. You don't only get the grill, you get all the gear that comes with it. So I would say get yourself a grill. Um, another piece of advice I would have is, uh, anyone who tells you from the city that they're going to come visit you, if they don't do it in, within the first year, they're not coming. It's like they're afraid. They're, there's, they don't even realize there is life outside of the city. And 
they if there is they don't want to they don't want to brave it and it's very threatening to them. So I actually have friends that I will only see back in Manhattan or Brooklyn. They will not come to me. The, the, we've been there for 3 years now. It's kind of crazy, but get used to that. It's like a lot of giving in to things that you thought you would never do. This is like kind of the this is really the theme song of parenthood, I guess. Just give into it. You're going to be so much happier. So I wrote a whole chapter in the book, as you know, about Costco. It's called The Day I Turned Into My Father, <laughs> because the first time I ever went to Costco, begrudgingly, was with my father, who kind of, he should have a room there. He's there three times a week. And I said, okay, I'll go with you. And my eyes opened up to the magic of Costco. It's crazy. I mean, here I was coming from Brooklyn, where I thought... Isn't this great? It's like Europe. There's one cheese shop and there's one bread shop and a wine shop and a chocolate shop, you know. But there at Costco, you could get all your crap in one place. And it was just life changing, especially after kids and moving. So now I'm not only a member of Costco, I actually have an executive membership card for an extra 50 bucks. Which gets you in. It gets you in. Yeah, it gets you in <laughs> earlier. You can go. It's a very egalitarian place, Costco, as far as clubs go. But um, there is this like layer of exclusivity where if you're an executive member, as I am, you can get in an hour earlier than the civilian members of Costco. And it's so funny because... You know, you wind up, I go in there for, for, you know, a 75 pack of paper towels and whatever else, a thousand pack of toilet paper, and I come out with the craziest stuff, you know, like a, a wet vac, something I never even knew what that was until I was, found it there, and now I use the wet vac on my deck, and what else did I buy there? Everything, this is funny, everything at Costco is so hard to open because it comes in this kind of bulletproof plastic packaging. It's impossible to actually get the product that you bought. They sell a package opener. It's like a pruning shears. And if you buy that, you can open everything else you bought. So I'd say that's probably my best purchase ever because now I can get to all the other stuff. <laughs> so how do you get that open? <laughs> That's a good question. For that, you need a chainsaw or an electric carving knife, which you can get in aisle 57B of Costco. Could you see yourself moving back to Brooklyn, for example, at some point in your life? That's a good question. And I've noticed that in, in the suburbs where we live now in Westchester, a lot of the older people do that. They, they, they go there as this kind of like interim stage where their kids are you know, growing up, they need the schools and the space like we did. And then it seems like the day after graduation, they're out of there. They're like right back in the city. I, can I see us going back? I mean, really, I would have to say, could we afford it? It's, it's really expensive. And plus you get used to the space, you know, you get used to this idea that, oh, we don't have to actually have the dog food in our medicine cabinet. We we can put medicine in there, and there's a there's another closet for our dog stuff, and the backyard. People always say, "What's the best part about having moved?" And at first, I thought it would be the backyard, which is incredible. And it's not it's not like we have a football field or something, but we have space. And yet, really, the best thing is the the driveway. The idea that you can have a car 
and not spend half of your day looking around for a, a parking space that is, you know, none of this alternate side of the street parking on days that the street is washed and alternating Mondays between 6 and 12, except for Martin Luther King Day and all this other stuff. You just drive up, park in your driveway, <laughs> and life is great. You know, so after after that's all done, could we move back? I don't know. We'll see if we could we could afford to. There's a lot I miss. There's a lot I miss. Tell me about Star Vehicle. Star Vehicle is this YouTube show that I started that takes place in my minivan, and it's uh that's why it's called Star Vehicle. Get it? Because it's a star vehicle. Um, I interview people in the vehicle, and they're just real people that you wouldn't actually find on getting interviewed on a regular TV show. So I'll interview, like on one I had a birthday party clown and he sat there and told me all these great stories about, about the kids that he has to deal with and really some stuff that I thought was so funny, just about like some of the kids are so obnoxious that, and he has to always be happy and goofy and make the balloons no matter if the kid is pissing him off or not. Um, I interviewed my yoga teacher. I took yoga for five minutes and I thought this guy was interesting and so he sat in the star vehicle and we talked and it's funny I need to do more of them I did it in conjunction with our local community cable access station which I love I mean this is another thing about moving out into the real world of outside of New York City which is there's truly interesting things happening really I promise you just have to look a little harder to find them and one of the one of the places was this local cable station. There's really talented people there. They helped me get the show going, and I, uh, it's now it's up to me to keep it going. And the book has been optioned by Adam Sandler's production company. That's exciting. It's, it's <laughs> very exciting. Um, yeah, so my, my, the book before this was called The Day I Turned Uncool, and Adam Sandler optioned that one, too. And it was, they were trying to turn that into a movie. And lucky for me, they tried for approximately eight years, <laughs> which meant I got a check for eight years while they kept trying and having the option to try and try some more. Then when Dan Gets a Minivan came out, um, his company came back and said they really like this book. And they have realized that the kind of stuff that I write is more suited to sitcom. And so they, they are trying to develop a sitcom on, based on Dan Gets a Minivan and The Day I Turned Uncool. So that's, that's great. I'm, I'm, I'm a huge fan of his. And, God, if, he, if, if this actually happened, you know, it's, it would be incredible. Well, thank you so much for doing this. Well, thank you for having me. For more information on Dan, be sure to visit his website at www.danzevin.com.